Here we go. You're listening to Law and Gospel on this Bible Study Wednesday, May the 15th in the year of our Lord 2019. And we're encouraging you to turn to 2 Kings chapter 20. What is a Bible study on Wednesday? We encourage congregations maybe to have a group in their church in the morning and they listen to me and then afterwards they talk about it on their own. This would involve churches either without a pastor or with a pastor who's unable to uh, do a Bible study, say, on Wednesday morning for one reason or another. So what we do, we're going to be taking a look at Second Kings 20. But if you've got a marker, you may also want to turn to Isaiah chapter 38. And the reason I say that is it's almost identical what is found in 2 Kings 20 and Isaiah chapter 38. And why is that? Well, the reason is Isaiah appears in both situations. Now, the context of a second Kings 20 is King Hezekiah. He has really been worried about Zennacherib, who is coming to defy the Lord and destroy Jerusalem. But God takes care of it. He sends an angel, and guess what? The angel kills hundreds of thousands of soldiers in one evening. And so Sennacherib ends up going back to his home where he's killed by two of his sons. But chapter 20 is an interesting chapter. It's entitled Hezekiah's Illness and Recovery. So without further ado, if we're in Second Kings chapter 20, verse 1, in those days Hezekiah became sick and was at the point of death. And Isaiah, here we go, the prophet, the son of Amos, came to him and said to him, Thus says the Lord, Set your house in order, for you shall die, you shall not recover. Now, when I read that, set your house in order, that's something I and Louise are doing right now, we thought. Although that's not what the Lord meant. And that means I have got just 20,000 books I've got all kinds of lawn equipment, etc. We're trying to sell that. And so we're making a room where this can all be put in and then going to the Internet to see if people would like to buy any of this. I mean, there's some really good things. It'd be a great set of books for somebody going into the ministry, etc. That's setting my house in order because if I die, <laughs> I got a feeling my wife's just going to bring... Uh, a bunch of these large garbage bins and just throw everything in it. And so we're sending the house in order. But that's not what God meant when he said to Hezekiah, set your house in order. What he was referring to there is there needed to be somebody who was going to become king after Hezekiah. And he should prepare for that. Like David had Solomon prepared for 
setting his house in order when David died. So, what I found interesting is the Lord says, you shall die, you shall not recover. Then it says, Hezekiah turned his face to the wall and prayed to the Lord. Now, we're not really sure why it says he turned to the wall. Have you ever been in bed and you're just worried about something and so you toss and turn maybe you turn a different way than you normally sleep just thinking about it so some scholars think he was really depressed hearing that he was going to die and that's why he turned to the wall others indicate that the wall he turned to was in the direction of the temple and so there's no doubt you know many of our churches are built where their altar area is facing the temple in Jerusalem. So it could be that's what he was doing. He was making a point of looking to the Lord. And he prayed to the Lord saying, Now, O Lord, please remember how I have walked before you in faithfulness and with a whole heart and have done what is good in your sight. And Hezekiah wept bitterly. So Hezekiah is one of the good kings. The vast majority of kings of both Israel and Judah after the split with the death of Solomon, many of them were very bad. They set up idol worship. They set up altars for the idols. And it was just, I I just can't understand this. I'm listening on CD when I travel around to various churches, uh, the Bible. And if you read the book of Judges, this is what the whole book of Judges is about. People fall from the faith, then God brings disaster upon them. Other nations attack them. They pray to God and God restores them through a specific judge. That happens numerous times uh, until finally, you know, they want their own king, which, of course, they end up getting in Saul, and they soon regret that. But be that as it may, what we have here is King Hezekiah, one of the faithful ones who had torn down the altars of worship to false gods and had really tried to bring the people back. In fact, a fascinating situation is that he is going to be attacked by Sennacherib. And what happens, as I said, uh, that night, it's verse 35 of the chapter just before this. That night, the angel of the Lord went out and struck down 185,000 in the camp of the Assyrians. And when the people arose early in the morning, behold, there were all dead bodies. Then Sennacherib, who had really been making fun of the true God, king of Assyria, he departed and went home and lived in Nineveh. And as he was worshiping in the house of Nimrod, his God, his two sons struck him down with the sword. And then they escaped into the land of Ararat. So that's what happens when you fool around with God. And it's the very next chapter we're looking at. 
where Hezekiah is weeping bitterly. Um, it's kind of interesting. I would prefer to have another 15 years for sure. I've got a lot that I feel can be done. I've got writings I want to finish. And I'm involved with some items that um, I would look forward to doing. It's not that I'm not looking forward to heaven, but I'm not like some shut-ins I visit whose spouse has died, they have no children, and they're really asking me, when is the Lord going to take me? Well, I and Hezekiah are not of that nature at this point. Now, if the Lord decides to take me tonight, I will trade nothing to come back to earth. But I would appreciate having more years in order to continue to serve God's people and complete some projects that I'm in the middle of. So, what happens after Hezekiah weeps bitterly, before Isaiah had gone out of the middle court, now that would be referring to the temple, the word of the Lord came to him. Turn back and say to Hezekiah, the leader of my people, thus says the Lord, the God of David your father, I have heard your prayer. I have seen your tears. Behold, I will heal you. On the third day, you shall go up to the house of the Lord, and I will add 15 years to your life. I will deliver you in this city out of the hand of the king of Assyria, and I will defend this city for my own sake and for my servant David's sake. So, the word of the Lord came back and reversed what he had told Isaiah earlier, namely that Hezekiah was near death and that he would not recover. Now, does that present a problem to us? If God makes a promise, then how can he change it? Well, we need to make a distinction between the will of God and the promises in regard to salvation, namely the gospel. In the gospel, every promise God makes, that our sins are forgiven, heaven is our home, we're wearing the robe of righteousness, and so forth, those promises are never taken back because they're built on the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus Christ. But there are occasions in the Bible where it almost appears like God changes his mind. Uh, the one I'm thinking of is that he goes to Abraham and says, I am going to destroy, you know, those two towns, Sodom and Gomorrah. And, but that's where Lot was living. And God gives a certain number of people that have to be faithful before he's going to destroy them. And Abraham starts discussing with God, well, how about lesser people? He does that about four times until he gets down to 10 people. And God changes his mind and says, okay, if there are 10 righteous people, I will not destroy that land. But of course, there aren't 10. You know, there's Lot, his wife, his daughters, maybe a few others, but it didn't get up to that number. So there, there are times, God, for example, wants Adam and Eve to be in the Garden of Eden forever. All they have to do is not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And he promises them 
that he will be with them forever. And they will have a life of rest and peace. Well, they sin, which changes God's mind in his will. And, of course, he removes them from the Garden of Eden, lest they eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. I'm sorry, from the tree of life and live forever in a decaying state. So there's no doubt that God himself says, the prayer of the righteous availeth much. So you may have a doctor or a representative from God say to you that your son or daughter who has an illness will not live. And how many times do we see this on television, reports of people who were so injured that they will never again be able to walk, and yet, after a while, they're walking because of the exercise they do and the care that they're taking care of. I I find that really interesting. So one can pray to God, see something that is surely going to happen, and have God reverse that. Dr. Mortensen was the doctor at Concordia Seminary in St. Louis when I attended, and I visited one of his lectures where he was talking about four or five times in his experience, people were diagnosed with incurable cancer, and when they came to the hospital to be treated, the cancer had disappeared. Now, why did that happen? Yeah, only God knows. So, Isaiah says uh, to Hezekiah that the Lord has heard your tears. Behold, I will heal you. On the third day you shall go up to the house of the Lord. I'll add 15 years to your life. I will deliver you and this city out of the hand of the king of Assyria. And we find he did that in the previous chapter, verse 35, When the angel of the Lord, and remember, every time we have a definite article before angel of the Lord, rather than an an angel, the angel, it usually refers to Jesus Christ himself, who came into the camp of the Assyrians and struck down 185,000 at night. So, Isaiah says, after this, bring a cake of figs, and let them take and lay it on the boil that he may recover. So obviously there was something, a skin disease that was going to be leading to his death. And this cake of figs was put on the boil area and he recovered. But Hezekiah says to Isaiah in chapter 20, verse 8, What shall be the sign? that the Lord will heal me, and that I shall go up to the house of the Lord on the third day. And Isaiah said, This shall be the sign to you from the Lord, that the Lord will do the thing that he has promised. Shall the shadow go forward ten steps or go back ten steps? What? What's this shadow? What is this talking about? Well, What's really important is to turn to Isaiah 38. Now try and keep your finger in 2 Kings 20. Go to Isaiah 38, which is very similar. Same words and everything because Isaiah was in both situations. 
and go down to verse 7 of Isaiah 38. This shall be the sign to you from the Lord that the Lord will do this thing that he has promised. Okay, so far the same. Behold, I will make the shadow cast by the declining sun on the dial of Ahaz turn back 10 steps. So, the sun turned back on the dial the 10 steps by which it had declined. Now, what are they talking about here? Well, we do know that this could be a sundial made for Hezekiah or by Hezekiah's father. Uh, We know Egyptians had made such instruments as early as the 4th millennium B.C. Degrees marked on the dial's face. And so... When, I, when Hezekiah is asked which shall occur, and here we go back to Second Kings. And Isaiah says, looking at verse 9, 2 Kings 20, This shall be the sign to you from the Lord that the Lord will do the thing that he has promised. Shall the shadow go forward ten steps or go back ten steps? Now see, if it goes forward, it's going into time that hasn't yet occurred. If it goes back, it's going into the past. And Hezekiah answered in verse 10, it is an easy thing for the shadow to lengthen 10 steps. Rather, let the shadow go back 10 steps. And Isaiah the prophet called to the Lord, and God brought the shadow back 10 steps to which it had gone down on the steps of Ahaz. So there Ahaz is mentioned, and somehow there's a sundial with steps on it, and for sure it had gone in the reverse, giving Hezekiah evidence, not only that he would be healed, but also that the Assyrians would be defeated. So we think this illness occurred while the Assyrians were still attacking him, and therefore chapter 20 really should be inserted uh, before chapter 19 when the Assyrians are defeated and Sennacherib ends up being killed by his two sons. So what does this say to us? What sign has God given you that your prayers will be answered? Now, notice what I said. Not answered according to what you desire all the time. You may pray for a specific item. And God still will answer your prayers, but he will do even better for you. I mean, had Hezekiah died and been with the Lord, that would not have been something for which he would have traded anything to return to earth. Once you get into the presence of the Lord, Job talks about that there's a time coming when with his own eyes, he will see the Lord. So this is very important to understand that God will always answer your prayers. And what's the evidence he's given us? Believe it or not, it's Christ's crucifixion and resurrection. Do you doubt that God is going to keep his promises? No, not when you look at 
the crucifixion and resurrection because you are now a child of God. And remember, Jesus says this, when a child asks for fish, you uh, don't give him a stone. No, God gives us what he knows is best for us. It may not be the specific thing we're praying for, but a lot of times it is. It's kind of interesting. If you keep track of your prayers, it's really amazing how many times God does answer specifically as you request it. Uh, For example, to have a healthy baby that's going to be born and that uh, your children attend Sunday school and do not lose their faith, etc., etc. All kinds of things you can pray for. And we pray that God will answer them with a promise as he did with Hezekiah. So Hezekiah's illness and recovery is a lesson for us. We may see something and, oh boy, it's impossible that this is not going to happen. And we may not be appreciating very much what God is doing. In fact, why I like Isaiah 38 over and against 2 Kings 20, 2 Kings 20 just kind of ends with Hezekiah being healed. And then it goes right into the Babylonians. But in Isaiah 38, Hezekiah sings a song, or a writing, it said. And it starts with verse 10 in Isaiah 38, all the way to verse 20. He begins by talking about that he was really overcome that he was going to die. But in praying to the Lord, God answered it. I want to read the very last verse of his writing. The Lord will save me, and we will play my music on stringed instruments all the days of our lives at the house of the Lord. Wow. So the house of the Lord was, of course, not just here on earth, but it's a holy house of the temple of the Lord that Hezekiah would be going with the rest of believers after the day of judgment. But you may want to take a little time in looking at verses 10 through 27 in regard, or 22 in regard to Hezekiah's writing. Because at the beginning, boy, my dwelling is plucked up and removed from me like a shepherd's tent. See, shepherds did not live in something that was always there. They could quickly take it up and move on with it. And so that's a warning to all of us, or a revelation to all of us. Death could come at any moment. Because we're not living in walled cities against the will of the Lord who could not put us to death. But instead, we're living in a, like a shepherd's tent. Hezekiah says in verse 14, Like a swallow or a crane, I chirp, I moan like a dove. My eyes are weary with looking upward. 
O Lord, I am oppressed. Be my pledge of safety. What shall I say? For he has spoken to me, and he himself has done it. I walk slowly all my years because of the bitterness of my soul. And then he hears that God is going to give him the extra 15 years. In uh, verse 19, the living, the living, he thanks you as I do this day. The father makes known to the children your faithfulness. See, that's a goal that Christians should have in making known to their children the faithfulness of the Lord. Hezekiah, he just gives 15 years. Of course, he's giving him eternal life also. But to you and me, because of the waters of baptism, we have been guaranteed an eternity with Jesus. And that will occur after the day of judgment. Tomorrow's Long Gospel, Rumination Thursday. Normally, we have Wes Reimnitz with us. He contacted me. He'll be gone the next two weeks because of another assignment. So be ready for a surprise tomorrow with Rumination Thursday as we continue our discussion of Long Gospel from God's point of view. Until then, God bless. Listen to Law and Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law and Gospel, please make your check payable to Concordia Mission Society and mail it to Tom Baker, P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri 63132. To give online, visit lawandgospel101.com or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.